Welcome to Warrensville Reaching New Heights. I'm your host, June Sharp, and this is a very timely episode that I'm bringing to you. This is my conversation with Juanita Brent, the Ohio State Representative for District 12, of which Warrensville Heights belongs, and that actually covers a total of 10 communities, and there's a lot going on. In the House, they just voted in May in favor of a state budget, that's House Bill 166, which includes a number of key Democratic priorities. Now, the Senate has to vote on it, too, and there's a whole process, but this covers fiscal year 2020 and 21, and the impact of what eventually passes will be felt throughout the community. Now, what you're going to learn about Miss Juanita very quickly is that she's an extremely warm and engaging person. She's very active on social media, and she'll tell you where to find her in our conversation. So what I think you'll pick up on really quickly is that this doesn't feel like a job for her. I think this is more of a calling. We could almost call being a state representative part of the family business because her aunt was someone who was a state representative and she had a huge influence on Juanita. So what I think you'll find in this conversation is some very timely information and personal information, both in terms of what Juanita shares about herself, but how the legislation that she's involved with passing can affect your life directly. So please enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Juanita Brent, I am so happy to have you here. You are the Ohio State Representative for District 12, and that's us, Marshall Heights. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Ms. June, for inviting me here. I'm so glad to be in the friendly city of Warrensville Heights. Yeah, well, this is great. We have a lot to talk about. Yes. We do. Uh, And we're going to just work our way through it. Okay. And and I'm excited to do it. I met you recently, and the moment I met you, I'm like, who is that person? <laughs> you just have a certain, like, calm energy, but there's a magnetism to Aww, it. I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm thrilled to be doing this with you. Thank you. <laughs> now, I just want listeners to know that you began serving your term in January of 2019, not yes. that long ago, after running unopposed. Yay. Yes. <laughs> that makes life easier. Yeah, it does make life easier. Um, so you're new to Columbus. So how are you liking the job so far? I am enjoying it. And people always say, like, what is your biggest concern about being in Columbus? It's always time management mm-hmm. because you're in Columbus so many days and you're in the district so many days. So I never want my constituents in my house district to feel like I'm in Columbus too much mm-hmm. that I'm neglecting my responsibilities in the district. Well, I want everyone to know what your district is exactly. So that includes Maple Heights, Bedford Heights, Bedford, Highland Hills, us, Warrensville Heights, um, Orange, Pepper Pike, Mayfield Heights, North Randall, and parts of Cleveland. Yes. It's a big territory. Ten cities. Yeah. And uh, something else people should know about you is you are a young woman. I'm just putting yes. this out there. You're, <laughs> you're 35 years old, Juanita. Yes. That's... Uh, so public service was also part of your upbringing. Yes. People should know. You were four years old when your great aunt and guardian, Vermel Whalen, took office as a state representative. Oh, my goodness. You did all my background research. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just spitting this out for you. But I want people to know this, Juanita, because it's pretty remarkable. So she was the second African-American woman to ever serve as a state representative. Yes, she was. That she was. In Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah. Yes. That's amazing. And you grew up basically at the state house, but you swore you would never run for office. So what happened? (laughs) So as a kid, before there was emails, internet, people will physically stop at our home any time of the day. 
and my aunt always had a tendency to leave her car in front of the house so people would know she was at home Mm -hmm. and we would be having dinner and people would just stop over so we would stop having dinner just so she could speak to people that used to get on my nerve as a child because Mm -hmm. who wants to stop having dinner to talk to a random person when you're a kid Mm -hmm. so for years I used to tell myself I don't want to live this life I want to just be undisturbed Um, here I am at five years old learning how to answer the house phone Mm -hmm. to speak to constituents and learn how to take notes when the um, phone would ring Mm -hmm. and I think it's anything in life you see somebody do something you learn to love the people and my aunt had a true love for the district. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't, as much as you try to run away from something, it's like mm-hmm. you are, you know, like Jonah, you're trying to run away and you end up in the whale. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't mm-hmm. run away from your destiny and serving people was where I was destined to be. Well, you initially fulfilled that role as a teacher. Yes. And um, until recently, you were very involved with the Harvard Community Center in Cleveland. So tell me about that. So I was on the board of trustees for the Harvard Community Service Center for almost seven years. Mm -hmm. Honestly, um, how I became familiar with that place, my aunt was actually the one who gave them the money to open up the McCullough Hall, which is probably the most used portion of the building. And um, also, it was the place where I got my first job. So when I was 14 years old, I got my first job there. Um, And it's just always been a big part of my life from no matter if it was uh, relatives in my family's wedding reception, a funeral um, recession, or any other type of event. The Harvard Community Service Center was always a key part of my life growing up. Okay, well, back to this uh, political career you have. I read that, or let's say it was reported, <laughs> that Trump's, uh, President Trump's election factored, factored into your decision to run after you saw his influence in the state legislature. Yes, um, because I know when it comes to the, the changes that we feel every day, a lot of times it happens on the state level. Things do affect us on the federal level, but when it comes to if you're going to have red camera lights or not, if you're a woman's going to be able to have reproductive rights, or if a city is going to be able to determine how their property tax are going to be reflected in their community, it all happens on the state level. And I know at that point, I was just fired up that I wanted to be part of that change. And I didn't want to wait on the other people that I thought were interested in running to do that because they didn't seem that halfway interested. So it prompted me to run. Well, I admire how you wanted to see change and you felt that you wanted you would be a role player yes. in the change yes so it's not just giving lip service it's actually doing yes something. so that's it's, it's definitely an action yeah. verb i even now i'm always very intentional about visiting and being involved in all 10 of my cities mm-hmm. it's funny because all 10 of my cities feel like when you know rep brent you're always there mm-hmm. but I, I love that feeling because it, it's the same feeling i know my aunt gave people you want people to feel like you're invested and you want to see their individual city succeed. But with 10, it's definitely a balancing act of time. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, well, let's talk about the state budget. Oh, Since goodness. This, let's yes, talk about we're it. We're going to go there. Um, you voted in early May yes. in favor of House Bill 166, which includes a number of key Democratic priorities. Uh, this is for fiscal year 2020 through 21. Yes. And this included a significant tax cut for working people and families. Uh, but it still needs to be voted on by the state Senate. Yes, it so does. what is your feeling? I'm actually really glad that we were able to um, to pass House Bill 166, which is our operating budget. Um, just to give the listeners a little bit of understanding, we vote on our operating budget every odd year. So it's only good for two years. 
So some things like the um, income tax credit where um, anyone, everyone overall will get a 6% tax deduction now, which is great. People want to keep a little extra money in their pocket. There's also going to be more money for foster care because we have so many youth that are in need within our communities. There's also going to be money in the budget for um, lead poisoning. And Cleveland right now has the highest lead poisoning cases within the nation. Wow. So um, those are some things that really just hit home for me within this house district. There's also going to be more money for senior services. Um, You know, we're at the point now within less than 20 years, we're going to have more people who are retired than people who are in the workforce. So what do we do for this silver tsunami, as I like to coin it, Mm -hmm. that's coming upon us? But it's a lot of good things that, um, that we should just be proud of. It's not perfect. Yeah, but it's it's definitely on its way of being something that we can work with at the state. Do you think the Senate will will pass it? You know, the Senate is a different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've talked to quite a few of my Senate colleagues. I've actually had dinners with quite a few of them. I said, please do not cut a lot of these things. If you're going to do anything, add greatness to it, but don't take away um, mm-hmm. things. But sometimes. People in the Senate, they might have different priorities because they have different interactions with their constituents. So we're just, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm really Mm -hmm. keeping my fingers crossed, but I'm doing my own due diligence by talking to a lot of people in the Senate. Yeah. When is that, their vote? Um, I'm not exactly sure when their vote is, but I know once it goes through the Senate, it comes back to the House for us to vote on it again. Mm -hmm. And that has to be done by the end of June. Okay. So all of this process, everything has to be voted on by June the 31st of this year. Okay. So we're in the thick of it. Yes. Um, well, one of the key elements is it reduces the middle income um, tax brackets and eliminates the bottom two altogether. Yes. So tell us more about those cuts. So anyone or, who is making less than $22,000 will not have to pay any income tax, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Because if you're making $22,000, that's mean you're probably making less than um, the livable wage. And the mm-hmm. livable wage is $15 an hour. So that's a great way to say, like, when we keep Ohio's promise, and that's to make sure that people can be able to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's making $22,000 a year, they're probably not able to afford housing. They're probably on some type of government subsidies. Why are we taking out probably the largest amount from out of their um, their, their pockets? Yeah. Okay, another element in this bill involved closing some tax loopholes like the limited liability corporate loophole threshold, which was... Uh, went from two hundred fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars and eliminates the corporate jet jet timeshare exemption. Yes. I did my research. Um, in addition, lawmakers uh, included a provision to level the playing field for Ohio small businesses by administering online sales tax collection for large corporations. So I'm I'm wondering about that. So if you have so online, so online. that's very important because right here in the Warrensville Heights district, we have Amazon. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest ways that Amazon um, sells their goods is online. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure that Ohio receives a share. And that's how we keep our promise to our people that everyone has to pay their taxes and not just the brick and mortar places that are here in Ohio. And also when it comes to our businesses, any business that's making more than $100,000 should be paying some type of tax. Um, because at that point, you are able to be a thriving business. And we've missed a lot of money by not um, by only taxing businesses that make more than $250,000. Okay. Uh, just one point of correction. Amazon's in North Randall. 
Oh, I know. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, you're right. But it affects our community. It does affect the community. I would say the Warrensville Heights area. Yeah, yeah. Say that. we're good. Um, okay, so Democrats fought to remove uh, the controversial GOP-backed provision that limited health care access for low-income Ohioans by charging monthly premiums mm-hmm. for Medicaid coverage. And this was a practice that um, would have jeopardized care for thousands of Ohioans. Yes. So, um, it's, the idea is to keep that intact, right? Yes. Um, you know, health care should not feel like a luxury. And the way things are going right now within our state for a while, it's been feeling like a luxury. Like, even with the um, the work requirements for Medicaid, um, also when it comes to um, just the different requirements that goes along with it, we have to just do better. And that's part of what we're trying to put in this budget is by just telling people, we want you to go to the doctor. We don't want you to have to make that decision between going to the doctor and saying, like, do I have to pay a copay or do I want to pay my bus fare to, you know, to get there or to get to work? And those are the type of decisions that everyday Ohioans are making. We want to say, like, no, we have to do better by the people we represent. Okay. Um, additional An additional key um, Democratic el- amendment added to the budget was one that made college more affordable yes. for low-income students by increasing funding for the Ohio College Opportunity Grant. Yes. I'm so excited about that. Um, that was actually an amendment one of my colleagues, Rep. Sweeney, put in the budget. One of those um, things that help, help with that is helping students be able to receive books. You know, one of the biggest fees for people when they go to college is paying for those books. Mm-hmm. So with this opportunity grant, it will cover for um, school books for college students, which right. is a big keep. Is there a limit or is there a range? Um, I don't want to mis- misquote it on the amount okay? because <laughs> I don't remember the amount, but I know it was a provision to help pay for books. Um, we know just for at least a book, and I remember even from when I was in school, a book, a psychology book, could easily cost $300. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, for a family who's just trying to get their child to school, that could be even a barrier as quickly as the books on why students don't finish school. Okay. Um, the bill um, also, let's see, would end some of the controversial state takeovers of schools and yes. restore control to local school districts. Yeah, so with the academic distress re- removing that, that was House Bill 156, mm-hmm. and that um, I was actually glad I was able to co-sponsor that because it's been so many times where uh, these past three years, there was no, the voice of the local communities was taken away. And so with House Bill 156, which was the um, removal of the state takeover, communities can't have their voice What's, what's happening is that any school district that received at least three Fs on their state report card was being taken over by the state. The state will um, assign them um, a superintendent, and now we're giving the communities back their voice. I think there has to be a delicate balance of how the state can better support communities so they won't even be in those situations anymore. So I'm glad we're working on that to make sure we can educate our children. Okay. We're going to touch on a, a couple more here. Okay. We're, we're, we're just running right through them. Um, t- so $2 million was added to reduce infant mortality, and uh, lawmakers developed a Pregnancy Association Mortality Review Board yes. to make sure the mother's concerns are addressed. Yes. I'm so, so excited about that. Um, that was definitely another um, concern that came up in our budget because infant mortality, honestly, my house district is probably, not probably, it is number two in the state when it comes to infant mortality. Um, and it t- takes resources to end that we need to make sure that our babies are making it past their first um, year of life. And we also have to make sure our mothers 
are um, making it past that um, those past those first 90 days after um, they've had a child. And so this money in this group, this working group, is going to work towards that. So I'm really glad to see what's going to come out of it. What What are the issues they're facing that relate to the mortality? Um, it just, factor? you know, lack of housing, um, toxic stress. Mm-hmm. And I'll just be honest with you, and I said this, I've said this in many public places, mm-hmm. it's stressful being black. When you look at the numbers of infant mortality and maternal mortality, it's mostly the highest numbers are amongst African-American women. Um, when you talk about um, maternal mortality, um, you talk about toxic stress, um, lack of housing, um, and sometimes even lack of the doctors listening to mothers when they say they're in pain or um, mm-hmm. or not even knowing what questions to ask. And so um, when we just look at it, and I just say to make it very relevant in our today's time, you know, Beyonce just talked about how she had preeclampsia and she had to have a C-section. And Serena Williams talked about how um, they end up finding a blood clot um, in her body. And she almost when she went into toxic shock when she had her baby. So this is something, a serious issue that's happened amongst the African-American community. And it's not particularly within a certain um, economic bracket. This is happening of, of all ages and um, economic areas within African-American community. Okay, so hopefully this will help put that in turn. Yes. Um, what about the minimum wage increased for what's called direct service employees? That's very important. How, yeah, how much and who exactly is going to benefit? So it's $13 an hour, so it's a little bit below the livable wage, which the livable wage is 15 an hour, but it's 13 And that's for people who uh, mostly work with our disabled and our seniors mm-hmm. community. It's so important because most of them were making about 8 to $10 an hour, we have to give people, we want quality service, we have to give people a wage where they can have, um, be able to take care of their families. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think that will actually help with limiting the amount of turnover. Yeah. That will also um, just just secure that people will want to stay in our state and also stay in that field. Yeah, well, I think this has been sort of a through line in your um your representation mm-hmm. of the community that, that the state has to do more to turn around um, the below average quality of life standards yes that uh, a lot of people that have kept a lot of people from getting ahead yes yeah. I agree okay well in April we're gonna do another house bill um, the House Democrats voted against Senate bill 23 mm-hmm. which was the near total abortion ban that would prohibit uh, abortions in Ohio long before many women even know they're pregnant. I agree. And, you know, this would have been one of the most extreme bans. It is one of the most extreme yeah. bans. So where does that stand right now? So right now, it's actually been enacted into law, and I, Senate Bill 23, I just say it's a total abortion ban, mm-hmm. because most women do not know that they're pregnant before six weeks. Um, it's called the heartbeat. They mm-hmm. call it, you um, cannot give a abortion if a heartbeat is detected but normally that's around about six weeks when a woman finally goes to the doctor for some that might be even longer I don't think that's being responsible we've looked at other countries other places where they found that if you ban abortions you end up having higher cases of uh, maternal mortality um, because people are trying to do, I guess you want to call it botch abortions. Mm-hmm. So it's the biggest thing is that we're not saying that everybody needs to go have abortions, but if people choose to have abortions, we need to have provide safe options mm-hmm. within the state of Ohio. And it's just setting us up for, um, you know, for m- 
more deadly cases of people dying. Yeah. And abortion is health care. And I think that's the biggest thing that we have to start saying within the state of Ohio, within our nation, within our world. Abortion is health care. And it's mm-hmm. not a luxury. It's not something that people are just out here wanting to normally put as their first and only option. Um, but it is health care. Okay. Uh, what is, what, this is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, your feeling about the redistricting that um, will be happening in this area? I'm so excited about the redistricting. Okay. And at first when you said it was a, about to be a big one, I was like, oh my goodness, what is she about Where to Where are we ask? going? Yes. But <laughs> I'm, I'm excited because we have to really think about our districts and are they complementing what they should be? Big cities like Ohio should not be split up right now. Um, the, the city of, of Cleveland is split up into two different congressional districts. One is um, with Congresswoman Marsha Fudge, where her district goes from Cleveland all the way down, from the east side of Cleveland, all the way down to Akron. And then the other part of our congressional district is um, Marsha Capture, where it's the west side of Cleveland and goes all the way out to Toledo. That is not proper representation. People who live in Toledo should not share the same congressperson that's all the way in Cleveland. So we have numerous um, times where we look at that within the state of Ohio. And that also affects the, the balance of Democratic and Republican congressional people. Right now, there are 16 congressional people within the state of Ohio. Four of them are Democrat and 12 of them are Republican. And someone might say, like, well, Ohio is a red state. No, we're not. 50% of our um, constituents in the state of Ohio are Democrat and 50% are Republican. But that does not, it's not reflected when it comes to our congressional seats because those seats are gerrymandered to to go towards a certain particular party. Mm-hmm. So we just have to pro- provide better options. And so one way with that ruling is that it has to be done, I think it was within 42 days, which is June the 14th, which is really soon. So we're looking to see how the state house is going to do it because I myself will be the one, one of the people who, the 99 of us will be the ones who get the vote on the final congressional seats. So I'm so excited to be a part of this time of history, mm-hmm. to be able to sign off on what these congressional seats will look like. And I'm looking forward to them being very fair so that people can feel properly represented in the state of Ohio. Excellent. Um, okay, well, so I'm just pitching you these balls. You're hitting it, you're hitting it real well. This is an easy one. Okay. This is like, a, a, I don't know, baseball terminology. This is an easy one to hit. Okay, um, okay you're showing your constituents uh, the behind-the-scenes activity of the Ohio State House via mm-hmm. Instagram, short story videos, and photos. Um, and, you know, you run all your social media accounts by yourself. I do. So what, why did you decide to take this approach? Well, for one, I'm going to just be cliche and say I'm a millennial. And I know when it comes to communicating with people, you have to communicate with people in multiple ways. So I not only do the social media, but I also send out newsletters, I also send out emails. But I know social media is an easy you know, instant way for people to look at it. And even to the point now, you have people who are senior citizens who are on Facebook, they're on Instagram. People want to know what you're doing. The biggest misconception that happens with a lot of elected officials is that we do nothing during our day. Mm-hmm. And I like people to know I have very full days and my days are probably longer than most people's days are because I'm on average have a 12 hour day easily. Mm-hmm. So the only way I feel like to bring that, that sense of transparency is to actually kind of just show people snips of the day Um, And to let people know that I am human and sometimes I get tired, but I still keep pushing because I want to work hard for the house district. 
So I try to show it with my social media. So where can people find you? Okay, so on Twitter and Instagram, you can do at Juanita underscore Brent. If you want to find me on Facebook, it's um, facebook.com backslash Juanita O. Brent. So um, it's, it's easy to 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 follow me. I'm constantly posting every day. It's probably very few times that I'm not posting unless it's that one day a week that I take personal time but that's only one day okay um and that normally doesn't happen too often but um also people can even call me i give out my phone number to everyone i talk to so it's 216-333-6837 it's the same number that my family has my dad has this number my cousins my aunts um so it's a number i've had for a long time and i don't plan on changing it so i want people to contact me um i always do want people to contact my office but if you just want to talk to me just call me directly that's the type of representative that i am that i am approachable and you're going to see me showing up to every event i know when i'm in warrensville people are constantly saying like rep you're always here at the event i want you to feel like that i want you to feel like that's what representation is that it's going to be there to listen to your concerns yeah well i i want everyone to know you really are telling the truth because i have called you several times you don't know my number (laughs) you don't know i am not programmed in your phone Juanita, and you answered and i was to be perfectly i was i was amazed i just expected to go to to voicemail you answered the phone yes and i was extremely appreciative oh no problem I, i think that's Remarkable. I really take that from just having a wonderful example of my great aunt, Vermil Whalen. When she was a state rep, she always picked up the phone. And even if it was a message, we could get home late from something. And she'd be like, well, I have to call these people back. So she was just really, to me, almost like the perfect example of what a, being a public servant was or is. And that's just being accessible to people. So I want to make sure I'm that type of example to the people I serve. Okay, well, to wrap up, I just want to throw this out there. Um, What are you most concerned about and most hopeful about? Um, I'm most concerned about the attack on um, women and women's reproductive rights here within the state of Ohio. Um, And that was with that um, complete abortion ban that was the Senate Bill 23. Um, right now that's opened the doors for there to be other foolery when it comes to reproductive bans. There's a bill that's coming out right now where if a woman has an ectopic pregnancy, they want to make a bill that the doctor has to try to put it inside of her uterus, which we know is not medically possible. If a woman has an ectopic pregnancy, normally they have to terminate the pregnancy because you can't move it. Right, it's in the tubes. It's in the fallopian tubes. Right, not the uterus. So um, I'm really concerned that we have people who are acting like doctors, like none of us. There's only two doctors between the Senate and the House, and the people that are coming up with these bills are not medical doctors. Um, I'm also concerned about the amount of bills that are coming up regarding guns. Um, There's a House Bill 178 that we're bringing to that's in committee this week that will allow people to not have to have a concealed carry permit, which is the training portion of it, and also will remove the background checks for guns. I think when we take out those basic common sense parts of um, for gun safety, we're basically saying it doesn't. You don't have to have any type of training for that. And I have no, I have no issue with everyone having guns. You could have your everybody can have a gun if they want to, but everybody needs proper training to have a concealed carry weapon. Also, that will put a big barrier that when our police are stopping people, that would not show up on their information when they're pulling people over. And we need to make sure that all of our cops come home. Um, one of the things I'm very hopeful, this budget, this operating budget brings a lot more hope. There's um, more interest in 
bringing services to our foster children. Um, within the next 10 years, we are estimating it's going to be about 50,000 kids in foster care, which is an extremely large amount. And we need to figure out as a state how we can attract more people to become foster care parents, how we can train them and retain people, and also how we can keep kid children in their homes so they won't be in the system. I'm also very um, hopeful that we're putting more attention to um, maternal mortality because that's not something we should be number one in. Um, and also we're putting more emphasis on lead poisoning, which is also something that affects my house district. We should not be number one in. I'm also very hopeful in what we're going to be doing about being more um, being more green friendly. And this is something myself is going to be, I'm going to be proposing a bill to actually ban plastic in the state of Ohio. The ban will actually probably go into effect in year 2023 or 2024 so we can have a transition period. But I'm looking forward to that because this plastic is actually being a barrier. So um, I'm also looking forward to hemp being legalized because you can use hemp as a way to make biodegradable bags. So as we talk about banning plastic, hemp is another cheap um, way that we can use within our grocery stores, our libraries, our government buildings as a way instead of using plastic. So I'm looking forward to all of that and just making sure we keep um, Ohio's promise to our people. Excellent. Well, you're doing a wonderful job. Thank you. I'm, I'm so happy you've got Warrensville Heights in your district, <laughs> and we've got you. Yes. So thank you so much for your time and for supporting us, and we're going to support you. Thank you, Ju, so much.